Hi there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana, an issue-oriented newsmaker radio program heard weekdays on 18 radio stations with 27 signals all across the Treasure State. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and we'll do our best to keep you connected. We're also on Facebook at Voices of Montana and on the Internet at VoicesOfMontana.com, where I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. We look at our tax structure in Montana. Of course, that's been front and center because of the large increase in property taxes. The legislature and the governor's office um, did something about that. Did they do enough? Um, I, I think that uh, I think it's time to really put a lot of things on the table. And I think legislators are, are willing to do that when we come to examining our tax structure in Montana. What's on the table? What can be done? We're talking about that today. Brandon Lear, GOP Majority Whip and a Republican out House District 35, our guest in studio. Pleasure to welcome Representative Brandon Lear uh, out of the Savage area, House District 35. That's um, uh, kind of north uh, of Savage up to, I think, the Missouri River, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Good morning, Brandon. How are you? Morning, Tom. Thanks for having me on. I- yeah, House District 35 right now just encompasses all of all of uh, Richland County and uh with redistricting now, I'll represent House District 33 if I get elected, and that is Highway 200 South of Richland County and then all of Dawson County. Oh, wow. So it really, um, it shifted your district quite a bit then, didn't Correct. it? Correct, yes. Holy cow. Yep. <laughs> I don't know about, re- I was going to ask, and I generally ask legislators how their new district turned out. We followed that process, and I know uh, in that last legislative session, you tried to draw more attention to how that redistricting was Done in my opinion, anyway, I've expressed it. Uh, I don't think it was a, a fair process, and I think we let uh, the politicians pick the electors versus uh, the other way around. Good luck with that. Okay, uh, I don't know if you uh, really want to address that. You can. Uh, what was that discussion? Now, you, you, I think you brought a constitutional bill or something. Maybe it was just a regular piece of legislation to kind uh, of address redistricting. Where'd that go? Yeah. So I brought a bill to to where you couldn't extend a district outside of like city limits um to try to keep them as contiguous as possible because like we've seen in in gallatin county um you had pie-shaped district spokes of wheels to where they would run from the center of bozeman 60 miles out into rural area and it's awful hard to get the people with the same issues dealing with the same things um, to, you know, be on the same page. So, it's cl- you know, if we could keep them as contiguous and as close as possible to where, you know, you have a representative that represents one group of people and a representative that represents another group of people. So everybody can, every, everybody has their issue, issues heard. Uh, if we, we would have followed the constitutional um, limitations on that process, uh, I, I think we would have been been there anyway. Uh, but I appreciate that as well. And that's something um, and uh, I'm frustrated over. Let's look at taxes and, and just your take on this. Uh, we talk about it here because we're looking at um, maybe some pressure points on our current tax system that's forcing us to to look at our entire tax system. What's your assessment? So my assessment on property taxes. So in this last le- legislative session, income tax, we uh, really kind of simplize, sim- sim- simplize that and we went from seven different brackets to two different brackets, dropped the top income rate down. And so I think our income tax, you know, if we could keep working on that, lowering that, that would that would be really good. And and, and I think time will tell, you know, state budget wise what, what we can do there. With property tax, one of the key issues I see there is our lack of natural resource development. You look at, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago in the state of Montana, we were harvesting timber, we were mining coal, we were, um, you know, drilling for oil and natural gas. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of that has to do with the feds and how they have, you know, kind of had their war on coal, war on, you know, fossil fuels. 
but that really fueled our, you know, local, local government, our schools, and, and, and it kept our property taxes low in the state. And now you see the, the complete lack of natural resource development. And I think that's one of the key issues that has gotten us into the pickle we're in today um, with having to raise property taxes. And as a state legislator, I don't know how much we can really do on, you know, do on that natural resource development. Sure, we can, you know, try to uh, court companies to come in and do it. But if they can't get the permits needed from, from the federal government to, to mine to mine the coal, to drill for the natural gas, to harvest the timber on on federally owned lands, you know it's it's kind of a loss. And you know when we're not doing that, the 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 the, the taxable value of, of of all them natural resources aren't getting utilized and, and able to go into these local communities. And and that's a very much a pressure point as well. And um, when we talk about taxes, um, it's it's a big part of the picture. But doing something about that area. Um, trying to increase our our resource uh, income is difficult. Like you said, there's uh, you know it gets complicated. Um, so dealing um, outside, given that dynamic, um, how how do we look? How do we fairly look at um, what what where we're collecting taxes? I know we'll talk about spending here because you can't you can't talk about revenue without uh, you know how much you're spending. Um, but what what's the dynamic now, uh, given the fact that it doesn't look like we're going to be able to recover the that solid leg that resource um, tax taxing was? Well, like uh, like you and I had discussed before with uh, with implementing a sales tax, and 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 I think that that's an imp, imp, implementing a sales tax is a very tricky issue. Uh. The um, where I stand on that is we would, for me to support a sales tax, and I think for the vast majority of Montanans to support a sales tax, we would need a, uh, a constitutional amendment saying that Montana can only have two forms of taxes at one time. And so we'd have to either get rid of property taxes or get rid of income taxes. My fear with implementing a sales tax and not not having a limit on how many forms of taxes we can have is we could go in there this session and say, yeah, we're going to implement a 5 or a 10% sales tax. We'll, we'll, we'll just uh, eliminate the income tax and then we'll, you know, we'll decrease our sales tax. Well, two, three, four sessions down the road, they could re-implement uh, income tax and this, and the property taxes could just keep jumping up. Mm-hmm. So to do that, we have to strategically do that to make sure that we're taking care of, you know, the citizens of Montana and that we're not going to be a three tax form of government, you know, in the future and and being able to to keep our keep our tax collection as low as possible and not just have you know an explosion in government growth and government spending what do you think we learned in that last session we learned we being everybody the legislators but also the executive branch um and and the public uh, what do you think we learned about our tax structure in montana um because it, it does seem like now there's more and more people willing to um, take a really good hard look at it. What did we learn um, in that last session? Well, I think that we learned that there's a lot of we, we have a lot of work to do in the tax, you know, in the tax realm, um, and and we have to really we have to really take a deep dive into property taxes. We have to explore, you know, every possible option because you know you get down into you know places like Missoula and Bozeman to where property taxes just has just exploded. And I mean, we can't take out the local government piece of it too, to where we, 
we have to account for some of that coming from the local governments because the state only collects the 95 mills for property taxes, which go to education, which obviously we found is required by law through the um, Supreme Court decision back in the 90s, the school equalization. And then they collect the six mills. The rest of that property tax is collected by your, you know, local government. And so we have to take a really hard look on local government spending. And that's up to the, you know, citizens and the voters in them areas. And I don't know how much we want to impose the state government getting into local control. And so we have to, we really have to find that balance of local control. You elected, uh, you know, your county commissioners, your mayors, your city councilmen and women, um, and so, you know, is that up to the locales to do that or is it up to the state to do that? You know, we, we don't want to impose so much on local control that it's just a top down, no different than we see from the feds right now. I want to keep government as local as possible. Yeah. And as small as possible, too. Uh, I think Brandon Lure with us, uh, GOP Majority Whip, House District 35, Eastern Montana area. Uh, area. Also serves on the Economic Affairs Interim Committee in his uh, second term now. Let's go back to the levels of property taxes, because, you know, I think most of us just understand residential property taxes. I think we under, uh, know that there's agricultural taxes. Uh, I know in your your line of work as well, that's something that you would deal with. When you went from the income tax level, broke it down from seven classifications to two classifications. Can you do the same thing with property or uh, because I think there's like 13 different categories for property tax or something to that effect? You know, I'm not quite for sure on the numbers, but the main ones we, you know, deal with are residential, your commercial and your agriculture. And then there is a, you know, obviously quite a few other ones. Um, it would be awful difficult, I guess, in my opinion, to really break them down or to 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 lift a lot of them and, and create, you know, five or, you know, you know, mm-hmm. three different categories because it's so different, you know, and we don't want to, you know, lump in agriculture with commercial or anything like that. I mean, the egg tax is low, but it's low for a reason because we're out there, you know, um, in, in egg production and, and, you know, feeding the world. And, and so we, we want to make sure that we're not overtaxing, you know, our agriculture by any means. And like in agriculture, this session, one of the big things we did was the business equipment tax. And I've been an advocate for, you know, getting rid of that completely in, in, in the last two sessions, I ran a bill in 21 to tear it out over, you know, the course of eight years. And, um, the governor had his plan and, and, and it was a good plan. We, we went from a hundred thousand to 250,000. And then we went from 250,000 to a million dollars first off your deduction. And I mean, a lot of the, you know, for a lot of the small farmers and ranchers, that isn't a whole lot, but, uh, or that's, that is a whole lot, excuse me, but for the big ones, I mean, a combine now cost a million bucks. So, I mean, it doesn't take very long, especially, you know, when you get into the farming side of things to have a million dollars worth of equipment sitting on your place. So I still think that's something. And my belief on that uh, business equipment taxes, we're taxing people on productivity. It's money they've already paid taxes on. And so we're, it's a, it's a, true tax on productivity. And it doesn't just go into the, you know, farm and ranch. That's the big side of things, but dentists, you know, construction workers, anybody. I mean, I had a friend up in uh, Kalispell or the Kalispell country who owns a, a, a firearms manufacturer and they tax everything from your toilet paper to your paper towels to your pens and pencils. And then they come in and do audits on it. And, 
it's pretty hard to uh, justify when you come in and audit pens and pencils, making probably 30 bucks an hour at a state wage. You're probably not, you know, your one and a half percent on your pencil isn't going to probably pay for your wage. So it's it, that tax there is just to me not justified. Yeah, yeah. And so we could simplify that end of it, I think. I mean, there's there's many ways we can go about this and simplify it. I, and I think that's probably uh, just a good place to start when you looked at uh, regulations. It's one of the ways that we fund all the services that we believe that hopefully as a public, the majority of us believe are, are necessary government services. We're talking about taxes in Montana. Of course, property taxes have been uh, front and center in that debate or in that uh, news cycle because of those large increases. We've got some property tax rebates that were um, one way to handle that. Now, I think legislators are looking at, and I think our, our public is, is desiring this as well, more uh, more information and, and a broader discussion about our taxes in Montana. We tend to do this uh, kind of with the X's and O's a little bit, but we um, we have to look at you know what we're spending on too. And uh, with Brandon Lear in studio here, GOP Majority Whip, House District 35, going to also welcome State Senator Brad Molnar by phone, a former PSC commissioner and commission chair, uh, served in the House for uh, four separate terms uh, and then also in the Senate. Good morning, Brad. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. Yourself? Yeah, hanging in there. Appreciate you coming on. We're talking taxes. What's more fun than that, right? Well, if that can't get uh, the blood boiling, nothing can. <laughs> well, it, uh, it it certainly does. Um, and and one of the ways, and Brandon, I'll I'll go back to you uh, about this. So when we look at our our tax structure in this. What's the appetite? What is the appetite for a mature discussion? Because as we have talked since this last legislative session um, with other members of the legislature, I've encouraged everyone to say, let's have um, a discussion about this in the public where, you know, the political parties aren't using everything that's said and twisting it to try and get some sort of advantage when it comes to the election. Um, Let's have a discussion about this. What's the um, what's the aptitude for that? Up in Helena, there's there's always, you know, you're talking about a mature discussion. I mean, sure, we, we, you know, we all get heated sometimes, especially in debates on the floor. But the the appetite for, for really getting, diving into this issue, I believe, you know, is there. In you know, Obviously, there's political parties and, you know, we each have our own ideas on, on how things work and how things should work. And I believe it's there, you know. We had discussed, uh, you know, just a flat tax or, or, or you know, and I believe it's, I, I believe the, the appetite is there and the discussion is there. But one of the biggest fears that, that state legislators, I guess the legislature has, government in general has, is that will it be able to fund, you know, all the needs of the government? W- will it bring in the same amount of revenue that, that it has? And I guess in my honest opinion, um, you know, we should be taxing the citizens of the state of Montana as little as possible, staying in the confines that we need to stay in. And so if we can come up with a system that maybe doesn't collect near as much in taxes, um, then maybe we need to maybe we need to look at that and maybe we need to shrink the size of our state government. Well, uh, I mean, why are they even collecting taxes when they if they need money, they just print it anyway? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, state Senator Brad Molnar, um, a member of the taxation uh, Senate Taxation Committee as well. What's your take on, on this discussion right now? Are, are we going to be able to have, you know, things like sales tax on the table without political parties uh, making uh, everybody an enemy because of it? Well, I think uh, sales tax uh, has been bannered around for about 30 years at least because it certainly was when I was in the House. Uh, Governor Roscoe even had a vote of the people uh, uh, pass out, and the people voted it down. Pretty handily. Recent... <laughs> Three to one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
and now, uh, you know, 30 years later, people are far more educated because of the discussion on the 95 mills, et cetera. The huge uh, valuation increases, which led to uh, taxation in- increases. All taxes are back in the vernacular. I do not expect anything of value to come out of the two uh, uh, committees that the governor formed, uh, one strictly on ag tax on uh, land that's not uh, in production, and the other uh, on basically all property taxes. When you take a look at the people that have been appointed, they are the defenders of the status quo for their own individual gain. Nothing will come of that. I would love to be proven wrong. Well, uh, the discussion and, that I'm hearing. Yeah, go ahead. Well, okay, the discussion that I'm hearing out there, and we just heard it on the 95 mills loud and clear, is should we maintain the constitutional mandate that people's homes are taxed based on appraised value every two years? In other words, a tax on unrealized capital gain. That is so disturbing to so many people Mm -hmm. that if they're living within an area that the homes have gone up in value, their taxes go up even though their income perhaps went down, that there's no ability to cover it is just a way of funding government, local and state, at ever-increasing amounts. How do we get out of this then? Um, and I think well, those points are, are well received. A tax on unrealized capital gains in our homes. But again, if, with property taxes, they have to be reassessed. I think your property values have to be reassessed as well. Or maybe they don't. What's what's the discussion on that? Well, the discussion from my point of view, and it's, uh, uh, I think, more accepted up and down Main Street, Montana, than it is in the halls of the, of the legislature is that particularly as concerns more urban areas, that the need of government to socialize every cost out there is perhaps uh, beyond its its, uh, usefulness for the people of that district. If a person or a corporation wants to build a large subdivision out there, why does then the and I I live in the country so I'm I'm pretty much out of the discussion, but then why is the cost of the infrastructure that will serve that paid for by everybody in the city as opposed to becoming a special improvement district to cover the sewer and the water placed upon those homes? In other words, the cost causer is the cost payer, not the cost causer is subsidized by people who may never, ever drive down one of those streets. State Senator Brad Molnar. Around the nation. I think that's well stated. I'm going to have Brandon Lear uh, step in here. So one thing I heard in this conversation with Brad is the assessment of, of, of the value every two years, and obviously we've seen that over the last you know dozen years really go up. One of the things I was, I've been visiting with folks about is uh, we've already got an appraised value on your home from, from the bank. And why is the state in that business? Because we've seen in some of these places to where the state appraised value is way higher than the bank's appraised value. And 
and and a lot of these guys are like, well, if the state wants to buy it for that much money, <laughs> then 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 they can have it. Um, but if yeah. no bank's going to loan me the money on it, why am I paying taxes on it? You know, why am I paying taxes? You know, if my house appraises from the bank for four hundred thousand dollars, why is the state appraising at six hundred thousand dollars? And so I think that's one issue. And then the second issue um, that Brad brought up, which I appreciate, is the non-production agriculture. Um, we see that now with a lot of these nonprofits coming into the state and buying up buying up a whole bunch of agriculture land and taking it out of production, a.k.a. the American Prairie Reserve, which I ran a couple bills on. Um, if you are going to take agriculture production land, take it out, and not run any ag on there, I believe, and in the bill I ran um, – they should be taxed at either a residential property tax rate. We we should maybe even create a new class of property taxes, but it should be much higher than where they're sitting now because it's a safe haven for a lot of these people's money to be set in. And with a nonprofit, you know, the person donating to the nonprofit, um, they get the they they get the tax um, incentives to donate to the nonprofit, and then they can come in and buy the ground. And it cuts people like myself and in a and a bunch of other young guys that want to get into production agriculture were priced out of the market because they can come in and offer obscene rates on this ground that we can't even come close to affording. They come in and buy it and they take it out of the agriculture production. And then another thing to jump into that would be when they can take a, take on leases of, uh, of, um, of, of federal and state ground. And with the Taylor Grazing Act, that was set up to where that was the backbone of America. They knew it, that we needed to keep that in agriculture production, and they're taking it out of agriculture production. And so I don't believe they should be able to lease that, lease that ground. So anyway, a couple key points I, that, I, that I brought up there, a couple points that Brad brought up. Yeah, and I think that that's good. And I follow that discussion as well about um, that taxation for non-productive agricultural land as well. And I, I, I think there's there's indications that you want to kind of keep moving that forward. If you yeah. And in, in some ground you is, is non-productive. I mean, you get into my country and, uh, you know, we got, you know, the badlands and, and in some of that ground, you know, just isn't going to produce a cow. You ain't going to be able to raise a crop on it. We're not saying, you know, tax that, but if you are buying productive ground, we need to be able, you know, and, and taking it out of production, then, then there, then you shouldn't be paying agriculture tax on it. Cause it's set for an, a reason that we want to keep that taxes low for the guys that are in production agriculture. Representative Brandon Lear is with us, a GOP Majority Whip, House District 35. That's Eastern Montana. It was north of Savage. Uh, now that's switching because of redistricting. Um, and so from Richland County, it'll be Dawson County after that, which I, I find kind of uh, strange, I guess. Uh, State Senator Brad Molnar also, Senate District 28, former PSC commissioner. Brad, did they, uh, they gerrymander your district too? Yes, they did. I used to represent uh, Laurel, which is uh, far... Uh, Western Yellowstone County and Lockwood, which is far Eastern Yellowstone <laughs> County with a thin yellow line p- connecting the two down the river. So if you were, uh, fly fishing on, uh, election day, you could vote for me. Uh, <laughs> and so all of Lockwood is gone. And now I go halfway down into, uh, Carbon County. All right. Well, good luck with that. I know all the legislators are, are facing that summer. Uh, facing more challenges than, than others. Let's take a quick call here and see uh, we're going to kind of finish up here on taxes. Skip listening in Hamilton. Skip, thanks for calling in again uh, on KLYQ. Always appreciate uh, folks in the Bitterroot. Uh, what's your question today? Oh, thank you, Tom. And and uh, you mentioned ger- gerrymandering, and that's something I hope the legislature gets on top of soon so that uh, in this, I think it's in the next decade, uh, we have a chance to, uh, you know, level that playing field 
because it was certainly changed dramatically. I think we and, missed the boat on it. Yeah. Yeah. We need to, there was, in fact, I think uh, there was a Senator from Billings that offered uh, to, to start uh, discussion about that in the last session, but it never, it never really went anywhere. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, what I wanted to touch on, because I didn't hear the first 20 minutes of your program, Tom, today. Uh, I, I was actually listening to Monica Trinnell dodge bullets on another program. And so then I, so you may have touched on this, uh, Brad and Brandon, and having to do with, we, there was no special session about taxes. Personally, I thought that was a good thing. And in addition, now there's, there is a meeting, I believe it's next week, of uh, legislators that are, I think, going to meet in Helena and address a lot of these specific deep dive issues, some of which I think I heard Brad talking about. And, and what you know about that, and, and are you part of it? Are you going to be there? Uh, because you certainly bring up all the details that need to be addressed um, and that's that's not energy things, but tax things. Gotcha. And I want to know what you can tell us about that, and I'll just leave it at that. And thank you, Tom, again. Yeah, we might have touched on that a little bit too, uh, Brandon. Um, and and Brad, if you got any any information on that, um, the the interim committees. I don't think any of them are looking specifically at taxes. I know that the government ha- a governor has formed a task force. Uh, Senator Molnar doesn't feel that that's going to lead to anything productive. Um, I hope there's there's a lot of data coming out of that because uh, we need to make informed decisions on this. Uh, but I, I think uh, skip the discussion about um, you know what is the legislature, how much, how high a level it raises. Uh, on their agenda, um, I, I think it's pretty high. Brandon is, yeah, I think it's 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 really high. Um, I uh, I I knew about the meeting. I'm not part of the meeting next week. Um, but that there there's a lot of. I mean, us as legislators, they're always calling each other. I mean, whether it's on you know obviously this upcoming session, like in your radio show yesterday, you had Medicaid expansion. That's already being discussed. Same difference as taxes. We're always discussing and throwing ideas off of each other, seeing if this will work, seeing if there's any appetite for this idea. Um, and, uh, I think this next session is going to be, be full of ideas, especially on the property tax side of things, um, to, to try to move that needle in their, in, in the right direction, hopefully. Um, and, uh, I guess I'm a little bit more optimist than Brad is. I hope there is something, you know, they can figure out something out of this, out of the governor's, um, property tax group. Um, and m- maybe we can, uh, maybe we can move forward and, and, and have something to where, both the Senate, the legislature, and the second floor can all be in agreement on instead of, you know, trying to mix and mash ideas together and uh, we can have something to where we can all agree on. So all these meetings I think are really good and uh, the more discussion we have on it, just like today on this radio show, I mean, the more discussion we can have on it, the more ideas get thrown out there and, you know, sometimes my ideas might not be the best ones, but I'm willing to run with the best one there is out there. Brad, um, at the, thanks. I appreciate that as well. Brad, your response to that, I don't know if you, um, you know, how engaged you are. You're a member of the taxation committee, so I, I presume um, you're going to be continually engaged. Is the interim committee, any of the interim committees, assigned a good hard look at tax structure in Montana? Well, uh, you know, to, uh, let's take a look at the history. And, you know, I've never really talked to uh, Representative Lear before or uh, with him. Uh, so it's a pleasure to do so, which doesn't mean that I'm going to agree with everything he says. We knew in 2019 that the uh, uh, 95 mills was proper was probably 
or the uh, uh, use of the 95 mils with the uh, mandated 95 as opposed to the 95 being a cap was probably illegal. There was no testimony against that position. Legislative uh, legal services uh, came up with it. No legislation because it's worth half a billion dollars. In the last go-round, the uh, interim committee was informed uh, that they would have to change the percentage in the factoring for property taxes to uh, not have massive tax increases. No member of that committee uh, told anybody else. I certainly wasn't aware of it. And none of them brought forward legislation to reduce the impact of the higher valuations. The same exact people are on the new committee. The same exact lobbyists that fought tooth and nail for their constituencies against the people of Montana will be at the exact same position before the exact same committees. No, I do not share his thoughts that the governor is going to suddenly shift his position on 95 mills being a maximum as opposed to a mandate. Uh, I don't think he don't said think that, that he, uh, um, but uh, that uh, well, and I, yeah, you know, yeah. And the uh, uh, Farm Bureau came in against every position. The number of counties that are affected by the extreme valuations are about ten. The rest stayed almost equal, were equal, and some dropped. Do you think that they are going to um, uh, take a hit to try and save the people of Missoula? Billings for Bozeman. There has been no change in the dynamic. And that's why taxes um, is controversial at times uh, and, and difficult right. to kind of get things across. Well, um, I want to shift uh, before we go to energy. Um, uh, uh, I want to just guys get your kind of final thoughts here or pseudo final thoughts. Uh, if you allow um, our economy is shifting and it has, and our tax structure should be built to, be able to shift or be flexible with with that economy. Uh, I'm not sure Montana's is. Um, so, you know, what are your thoughts? What, what are just some final thoughts here as we uh, really begin the discussion on this process? So uh, I guess in, in final wrap up on this, uh, on taxes in general in the state of Montana, I think there's quite a few different routes we can go. Like we talked about before, I think one of the big issues is the non-productive farmland um, people that are coming in and, and buying up ground and taking it out of agriculture because it is a good investment. I mean, in Montana, you can come in here and, you know, guys are moving, especially we've seen it with COVID, guys that are, you know, selling a place in California, uh, you know, a two-bedroom condo for a couple million dollars, and then come up here and you can buy a whole lot in the state of Montana for a couple million dollars. Well, they come up here and then they, uh, you know, and, and, and sure, we want, we want to diversify Montana and to keep people, you know, always be bringing in new people, but we, uh, we don't... We, we don't want to get away from our roots by any means. And so I think that's one area to where, you know, if you're not, if you're buying agriculture land and you're not, you're not in any sort of production agriculture, um, we need, we need to shift, you know, we, we need to kind of find ways to do that. And then obviously we don't want to be taxing people out of their homes on, you know, like we talked about before with unrealized, um, you know, capital gains on, on, on property. And, and I think there's ways to shift that or ways to work, work with that and, and uh, like I said, there's going to be a lot more discussion for between here and, you know, next January when the session starts. And hopefully, you know, we can come up with some 
good ideas. Yeah, yeah. And look at the, the public, you. If you've got some good ideas, make sure you're you're contacting your legislator and sharing those. can share them here, but go to uh, the state of Montana's legislative website. Uh, all the information, contact information is there. Uh, it's a great place for that. Been a good discussion here today. I know Brad uh, Molnar, state senator, Senate District 28, wanted to uh, approach a topic regarding energy. Brad, as, as a former PSC commissioner, um, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to those thoughts. We also have Representative Brandon Lear in studio. So, so Brad, what was the beef? Well, I don't know that I'm trying to have a beef. I'm trying to have people understand what's going on out there mm-hmm. in the discussion we're having. And that includes with the recent uh, rulings on uh, held versus state of Montana yeah. and the ruling by Judge uh, Seeley. Northwestern Energy has running graphs on where energy comes from, what the temperature is, and how much they have to buy. The one that I put into my editorial, which talked about the negative 22 degrees, shows that for two of the five days, uh, renewables, particularly wind, outperformed and filled in what we needed for that hour, which the snapshot was 6.30 in the morning. So there's no solar, it's just wind. Then the wind dies down, and we're a 1,000 megawatts short for what people are using because they're using a lot more because it's 22 below. So they had to go to market to buy and fill that in, which they did. That came to $17 million for a couple of days. So it's not a small thing to understand. It's imperative. So what that shows is that an over-reliance on renewables, all of which are intermittent, otherwise not a renewable, means that when it hits 22 below, if you can't backfill that, then every pipe in Montana freezes. Every home goes to 22 below. Livestock perishes. People perish. So when you get rulings like Judge uh, Seeley gave that we can rely on renewables, they, you know, it's a developed technology, uh, and it won't, you know, and it won't, it, it'll cost even less, which has not been proven in any state. What we're looking at is that we can get bound in by the Montana Supreme Court if they buy those arguments based on a lack of fact. There's no facts backing what they've done. At the same interim committee, the uh, South Dakota Public Utility Commission uh, had written a letter asking several of the coal plants or coal companies or uh, the owners of the coal plants, Xcel Energy uh, specifically, to not shutter their plants. Do not close that plant because it's a legal morass to even try and maintain them in, re- in exchange for subsidies on renewables because we don't have enough in our region or their region to make up that loss of baseload, which is quite often called capacity. They have the capacity to start it or stop it when they need it. State Senator Brad Molnar, thanks for um, you know tracking those issues for us and coming on and, and uh, being a voice. And also, uh, Representative Brandon Lear, good to have you in studio, man. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, drive safe, okay? Uh, up to Helena, GOP Majority Whip in House District 35. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast. Please share and subscribe and let us know what you think. Email me at tom at voicesofmontana.com. And don't forget, we're on weekdays on your hometown radio stations all across Montana. We hope to hear from you there, too.